Blog Talk Radio. Hello, you're listening to Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird, a radio show about leadership. Whether you're a first-time manager or a seasoned executive, this show will get you thinking about the essential skills a leader must master. I'm your host, Brenda Baird. Each episode of Being a Leader draws on my 35-plus years of experience in building teams and leading people to get work done. I offer practical advice, personal coaching, and creative new ways of thinking about common leadership problems. Along with doing this radio show, I'm a certified professional coach and energy leadership master practitioner. My coaching practice serves organizations, emerging talent, managers, teams, and individuals. If you or your organization is looking for innovative support to help your employees reach their full potential, check out my website for a complete list of my services at brindabairdcoaching.com. Today's topic is leading when you're not the boss. And we're also celebrating the 10th episode of Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird. So stay tuned to the end of the show as I'm offering a free gift. Today I'm going to guide you through examining your own emotional intelligence and your ability to influence others. On this show, you're going to learn my five steps to successfully lead when you're not the boss. The information I share will provide you with the knowledge you need to get prepared and face your future with confidence and optimism. You know, we're all leaders somewhere in our lives, and certainly we are the leaders of our own lives. So I hope today's topic inspires you to reflect and take some action to make your life the best life it can be. I'd really love to talk to you live on the air, so call 646-716-9397 and press 1 to get in the queue. I would love to hear your thoughts. Now, if you're not able to place a call, you can simply send your questions to brenda at brendabairdcoaching.com. Okay, if you have a pen and paper handy, you may wish to grab it so you can take a few notes. By the end of our hour together, you'll be able to distinguish between personal and positional power, different methods of leading, plus you will learn how to apply my influence model to increase your value in an organization. If you're like most professionals, you find yourself in situations where you have responsibility to get work done with others, but you have no direct authority over those individuals who contribute to the work. Few situations where you may need to influence without authority. Say, for example, you head up a cross-functional team whose members don't report to you. Or maybe you manage an outside vendor. Do you have the lead on a project with your department coworkers? Or are you working on a global team project with your peers? In some cases, you may have nominal authority, but you find that your requests for action simply go unanswered. Influencing others is a complex skill, and there is no best way to lead when you're not the boss. Different situations with diverse individuals call for different leadership styles. However, one of the ways in which people consistently demonstrate leadership in any situation is by exercising influence. I define influence as the capacity to help shape what happens next. Influence moves people to produce the actions, behaviors, or opinions that produce the effects you need to achieve for your goal. Influence can happen directly or indirectly, and it can happen in many different settings, both formal and informal. 
In situations where you lack command authority, issuing a direct order is not feasible for getting a positive result. So grab your pen and paper, think for a moment, and write down, what behavior or skill do you use to move a person into action? Perhaps you wrote down persuasion, threats, promises. Perhaps you petitioned them on their moral grounds, challenged them on their intellectual horsepower, rely on your reputation, your friendship, return with a favor. You kind of get the idea. Well, it's a common belief if one has authority and is the boss or is in charge, then they would have the power to make things happen. Even when you are the boss, it still doesn't mean you can actually influence what happens next. Being in a position of authority, such as a manager, director, or VP, bestows what I call positional power. Positional power means the title you have puts you in a position to lead. It gives you a level of power and it puts you in a position of authority. How you lead is the choice you make. It is a responsibility that must not be taken lightly. Because of your title, you set the stage on the work environment. Your choices will have a powerful impact on the people. I have experienced great leaders who took their role very seriously and set out to create a safe, respectful, and growth-oriented environment that served the shareholders and employees well. Great leaders are driven by forging deep relationships built on trust, honesty, and cooperation. What's difficult is the traits that I just mentioned are very hard to measure, tend not to use their positional power or their title. Instead, they strive to build, nurture, and develop trusting and long-lasting relationships. In this space, employees tend to feel secure, creative, and empowered, and are usually driven to go that extra step to achieve results. Employees feel like they belong and they're valued. And when times get tough, employees will remain involved and engaged. I've also witnessed people in positional power who lead through fear, manipulation, and of course the almighty dollar. The numbers, performance metrics, and the bottom line drives this style of positional leadership. And unfortunately, the traits in this situation are tangible and they're usually measured. Leaders with low emotional intelligence or low self-awareness with positional power are find it easier, I should say, an easier way for them to lead. Some of these leaders achieve great success, but it's usually for themselves or for a small group that surrounds them. When tough times hit, they naturally default to sacrificing people to save the numbers versus digging deep to save the people. Short-term, they may have saved some money, but long-term, they drain the organization of trust, respect, and cooperation. Now, driving a business through performance metrics while holding people accountable is a good thing. It is not a good thing, however, when it is achieved with a heavy hand or positional power versus your personal power. So at some point, you need to decide what kind of leader will you be? What approach will you use? You will be faced with challenges along the way. The good news is positional power or formal authority to influence others. 
Improving your ability to influence others, regardless of your formal authority, is a very useful skill to develop. And the good news here is you can develop your own capacity and skill at influencing others. You can use it whether or not you are in a position of authority. You can influence others without authority. Another major misconception is that you must be a charismatic leader to influence others. This is not true. What is most important to leaders isn't charisma. It's actually a more mundane set of virtues, such as a reputation for hard work, a reputation for integrity. You're known for your innovation, appealing ideas, reliability, and seen as someone who has done their homework. And here's an important tip. It is critically important to prepare well when you're getting ready to try to influence others. Preparation is more important than choosing the perfect setting for influencing. Make sure you have your facts and data in order. Because strong influencing skills can occur anywhere, such as one-on-one -on -one conversations, meetings, informal settings like lunch or coffee, emails, and telephone calls. When you want to influence someone, choosing the proper setting is one of the last steps in the process. You know, I have witnessed some people spending so much time planning where to have a meeting and spend little time on the effort to make sure that the meeting runs well. Nevertheless, there are times when you must lead when you have no command authority. So over the years, I've sketched out approaches to help in these situations. As a leader, having the ability to influence others is a powerful behavior. True leadership, of course, has never been a matter of formal authority. Leaders are effective when the people around them acknowledge them as leaders. A title doesn't make a leader. A real leader sets itself apart by its attributes, attitudes, and behaviors. So grab that pen and paper. Let's do a quick activity. Answer this question. In your current life or in your current work setting, what is the one thing you would like to effectively influence? Some of the examples of the things you might have written down are clarity of your role at work, effective communication and listening, allocation of resources like money or supplies, Perhaps you want to improve collaboration with others, improve employee productivity, or maybe improve some of your personal relationships. As a professional leadership coach, I support individuals who get stuck trying to maneuver through working with others and leading. Old patterns of behavior or limiting beliefs can actually cause conflict and barriers to success. Here's how it works. When you're faced with any situation, our thoughts trigger our feelings or emotions, which drive our behaviors and our actions. So as a coach, I help leaders shift their perspectives by uncovering the stories or thoughts they tell themselves in these situations. We work to shift their energy to change what the pattern is that's preventing them from taking action or behaving in the manner that will give them the results they seek. Like I said, a real leader is set apart by his or her attributes, attitudes, and behaviors. Perhaps you've heard that old saying, one good turn deserves another, or how about one bad turn deserves another? <laughs> it can be both positive and negative. 
Essentially, it means that people should be paid back for what they do. In general, people tend to expect that they will do things for others. Those people owe them something in return. One act, positive or negative, is typically repaid with an equally valuable act in return. These normal human expectations are very closely linked to the concept of influence. Effectively influencing someone means the receiver must see a benefit of some kind. Basically, you're offering something for a value in return for what you want or need. In a positive exchange, the trade you offer can be an offer to share information or perhaps assist with a project or support someone in a meeting, something like that. It's a give and take moment and it can be positive or negative. An example of a negative exchange generally results in the loss of a benefit or the lack of cooperation or a cost that, that results in an undesirable response. This negative exchange might start by withholding something valuable like information or giving someone something that they really don't want. So our goal is to try to develop good relationships with our colleagues and managers. Using the five-step process I'm about to share, it will help you to deal with people who are sometimes a little more difficult to influence. So ask yourself, do your colleagues think of you as someone who always tells the truth and admits their mistakes? Are you the first to figure out what is wrong and to try to formulate a new approach? A standing virtue for strong leadership is a behavior I actually learned from my father. And what he taught me was to do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Now, these behaviors alone won't make you a leader, but the lack of them will surely eliminate you from contention and could derail your career. Now, think about what you want to influence. This question can be complicated, and sometimes it may seem easier to just complain about what's wrong than of a realistic goal that would make something better. But to influence, you must have a goal in mind. So start by asking yourself a few questions like, what do I want to have happen? If I were in charge, how would I make it happen? What will benefit the organization? Remember, in order to influence, you have to keep the goal in mind. And here's another tip. It is important to sort out our personal desires and ambitions from the goals that benefit the organization. Personal career advancement is not a goal that will help you influence others. Now, if you're facing any of these situations I just mentioned, call in now for a quick on-air coaching session Dial 646-716-9397 and press 1 to get in the queue. You know, there's no single best way to lead when you're not the boss. However, over the years, I have nailed down what I feel is a five-step method that can be applied to virtually any project team or meeting in which you participate and you want to be seen as the leader. So what makes it so difficult to influence other people, really? Well, usually the responses I get are things like, there's a lack of information, time constraints, there's a distance between us, meaning people are in multiple dif different locations, mistrust, 
There's a hierarchy we have to follow in order to get approvals and conflicting priorities, just to name a few. So get your pen ready. We're ready to walk through the five steps to leading when you're not the boss. First step, first thing before we get started on the steps though, is that I want you to assume that everyone on the team is a potential ally. It's that thoughts drives behavior thing that I talked about earlier. If you think they are, think they aren't, you will be right. So think they are, think they are your allies. Okay, step one, clarify your goals and priorities. Now I know I can hear you saying, this may be an obvious step to most of you, but you would be surprised how many individuals will call a kickoff meeting or a project launch and do not have a clear plan for what the goal or outcome is going to look like. So start thinking strategically about what information will be most useful for gaining clarity about what you want to have happen. Try to determine what the primary objective is. And is there a secondary objective? For example, if you are trying to look as though you're the leader in this meeting and your goal is to get recognition or promotion, then that's obviously your secondary goal. But your primary goal should be something that will benefit your organization, your stakeholders, or the people you serve. Try to determine what are short-term objectives and some long-term goals. Try to separate out what are the critical needs from what's just a preference. What is critical to achieving the goal? You know, people accomplish the most when their objectives are clear. And it's very important that the first order of business of any kickoff meeting or project group be to write down exactly what it is you hope to achieve. If you want to be seen as a leader at the start of the meeting, start by saying, can we start by clarifying our goals? and then assume the lead in that discussion and in even drafting those specific goals. Create the plan that outlines the overall goals you want to achieve. The plan should help you develop and prioritize your strategies while organizing the actions you will take in order to meet the goals on time. I personally use a process called AIM SMART. And for more information about the AIM SMART plan, uh, just check out my website. There's a free template on there at brindabairdcoaching.com. Or you can sign up under my contact page and send me an email, and I'll email you the template. I'd be happy to hear from you. Now, step two is to think methodically. This will come easy for some people and will be more difficult for others depending on your personality type. And what I mean by that is some people are very into the details, research, numbers, and facts. And other people aren't so much. They may be more in tune to the big picture and connecting the dots on information. But when it comes to influencing people and being the leader in the meeting, you want to make sure that you think methodically whenever you are bringing information forward. So one way that you might try to get this started, is the next time you attend a meeting, observe. Observe what happens in the room. Catch the details of what's actually happening. Do people typically plunge into an issue and start arguing over what to do? Do your team members say or take action that no one remembers the team actually agreeing to? 
Effective leaders are more methodical or systematic. And what I mean is that they gather and lay out the pertinent data. They seek out causes of situations and propose actions based on their analysis. If you follow this systematic approach and guide the team through the conversation, you will become the de facto leader. This style of non-authority leadership keeps people focused on the problem-solving process and it re reinforces your position as a leader. In this approach, don't forget to ask questions like, do we have all of the information we need to analyze the situation? Can we focus on the causes of the problem we're trying to solve? And once you have led them through the cause discussion, then lead them in a similar systematic discussion of potential solutions. Then there's step three, learn your lessons while they happen. You know, most teams plow ahead on a project and only when the project is over do they conduct a lessons learned exercise to reflect on what went well and what didn't go so well. They write it down on flip charts and somebody records it on a spreadsheet and the next project starts and they often repeat the same mistakes over and over. So it's most effective to learn as you go along, which means that part of the group's work is to conduct mini reviews and make mid-course corrections as necessary. Here too, to be a great influencer, focus the group on those regular reviews and learning. You will be seen as a leader they can trust and respect. Step four, engage others. Groups are successful when the skill and efforts of each and every member are engaged, respected, and utilized. And this doesn't happen naturally. Someone has to make it happen. A leader does this by seeking the best fit possible between team members' interests and skills to the tasks at hand. Engagement occurs when the leader writes down a list of all of the tasks and matches them up with the individual or subgroup. I can guarantee there will be a task that no one wants to do. A great leader will ask the group to brainstorm ways to make the task more interesting or challenging. If needed, the task may need to be separated into smaller parts that others can manage. Remember, draw out the quieter members in this group so that everyone feels like they're contributing. And finally, step five is feedback. Even if you're not someone's boss, you can provide helpful feedback simply by indicating your appreciation of the efforts of others. This recognition costs you and your organization nothing, but will create goodwill and make people feel good. They feel appreciated. It must be authentic, can't be fake, but the simple words, I thought you did a great job, can go a long way. Sometimes you may even run across a time when you can actually mentor a team member. And this is a huge relationship builder. If a team member is struggling to meet expectations, you can respectfully say, I had to deal with that same problem on my last project. Can I tell you what worked for me? Remember, conversations like this you need to do privately and not in front of the other team members. It's only respectful for the person that you're trying to help. So whether you're assigned the lead role of a project or you find yourself in a leadership vacuum, 
These five steps to move into the leadership role and improve the situation will help to develop your experience. And the experience you develop through these situations will help you develop and grow as a leader or a manager. See, here's the thing. If you learn to lead successfully without formal authority, leading with formal authority will be easy. There are times we use the five-step influence model instinctively, but my experience has proven that when things go wrong, some part of the process was skipped. It is extremely beneficial to take a systematic approach to influencing others and well worth the time to prepare ahead. Now, if you want more information about how coaching might help you with being a better influencer and having more confidence in the workplace and how that can help your organization, check out my website at brendabairdcoaching.com. Oh, wow, we have a lot of questions in the inbox here, so let's kind of get to those. Uh, first question is from someone that I used to work with. Thank you very much for sending this in. The question is, why is ongoing lessons learned more effective than after the project has finished? This is a great question because typically this is what most organizations do is they complete a project and then they bring everyone together and they talk about what worked well and what didn't work well. But the, the real effectiveness in doing a lessons learned is to work with those situations and answer the questions when the data is fresh in everyone's mind. The details tend to be more specific, the situation tends to be more clear, and we really do help to engage everyone's attention, to call them into focus about what these obstacles are and to come up with better group decisions. So it really is about being more specific, more focused about what actually happened and having a group consensus on utilizing the conclusions in order to make adjustments so that long term the problem doesn't carry out throughout the whole project, which in some cases can cause us to be over budget, delayed, um, a lot of stress, unneeded stress that doesn't need to happen. All right, this one is from, question is from Roger in Florida. Thanks, Roger. Can you tell us more about the characteristics of a leader you think are important? Sure. So there are a lot of characteristics when it comes to being a leader. And we could probably have an entire radio show on just this topic. But here's some things I think about what an effective leader actually looks like and some of the common characteristics that run through them. First of all, an effective leader is someone who's caring and comfortable with ambiguity. They're persistent and good communicators. And they're also good negotiators and they're politically astute. There has to be a level of humor and they need to be level-headed, meaning they can't blow up or shrink back when things get tough. So they're also, they need to be very effective at engaging people's commitment to challenging goals. Um, I think maybe you've heard the phrase, you know, who's gonna walk, follow this leader into a burning building? You really do need to have that kind of engagement in your staff to be a really great leader is that people know and trust what you say so that when things are challenging, they'll believe you that this is what we're doing and it's all gonna work out. 
I think effective uh, leaders are actually really aware of how their behaviors affect others, and they're always focused on the future. Again, this topic could be an entire show <laughs> about the characteristics of leadership. Maybe we'll actually do that. Um, next question is, what do you do when there is internal tension, tension like competition between team members or employees? Yeah, competition. This can be actually quite uncomfortable for a group of people who are working together. But someone who is, is acting as an effective leader of the group really needs to turn those tensions into produ productive activities. Competitiveness has really advantages and disadvantages in the workplace. Now, of course, on one hand, it's really clear that too much competitiveness without restraint can actually exhaust ideas and it exhausts people and pushing less competitive people to just absolutely disengage or it can to some extent create a very toxic environment. However, there are potential benefits to having competitive people on your team. For one, they're passionate, right? They're passionate about what they do and hopefully they're passionate about the project at hand. If you use that passion correctly, it can actually be motivating to the team. So sometimes competitiveness can result in innovation or even a successful sales outcome depending on the business because it can kind of create some competitiveness between individuals. But again, it has to be really restrained. So think about ways that you can harness that ambition energy and turn it on to your own good thing and the good things for your team. For example, it can often be a useful tactic to really know ahead of time who are the competitive folks in the room. And as the project kicks off, ask for their advice. Ask them about their ideas. Right up front, this is very helpful because this helps to get their voice in the room which is something that they really want to do, as well as most of the time they're competitive and they're smart and they know something that the others in the room need to know. So it's an opportunity for them to teach others. Now here's the thing, overly competitive people are usually coming to that situation with some sort of fear. And like I said, your thoughts trigger your feelings and emotions which drive your behavior. Competitiveness is a behavior that usually is driven by an emotion such as being worried about being left out, thinking maybe people don't think they're smart, maybe they think this project is going to make them lose their job, or maybe they think they're not valued on the team. Whatever the case is, as the leader, if you see someone who is overly competitive, try to, in your mind, Perceive that person as someone who actually needs more compassion than the others. If you can look at it in this way and add compassion to the situation and not buy into the competitive dogma and sort of push back on it, you might be surprised how you can turn that person around and they'll actually view you as a, a role model. Wow, these are great questions today. Uh, I wish we had more, more time to talk about that last one. You know, employees often find themselves accountable for results but have no formal authority. 
The bottom line is you must lead through with your personal power and influence, as well as develop the attributes, attitudes, and behaviors of a great leader. When you do that, the environment created within a personal power leadership model sets the stage for remarkable game-changing progress, not only for you, but for the people around you. And not only do those people want to perform, it generates a place where people will actually clamor to be either included on your projects or want you on their project teams. Building a working environment that employees feel is safe, secure, and trusting gives everyone the opportunity to learn, grow, and win. Success will follow, and you will be well on your way to being a leader with personal power. I'm really passionate about people leadership and business development. If you or someone you know is looking to take their skills to the next level, please connect with me on social media or at my website, brindabairdcoaching.com. And join me October 11th at 1 p.m., 12 p.m. Central Time for the next episode of Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird. Our topic for that show will be around my new ebook on leadership time traps. If you were fortunate enough to attend the Leadership Summit in Orlando last month, you would have heard me introduce the book and the topic at that Leadership Summit. We're going to talk about it more on uh, the October 11th show. And I'm going to share with you my perspectives on time, the three ways we use time, and how to avoid time wasters. You won't want to miss this is going to be an exclusive opportunity to hear about the book before it's released. And, you know, as a listener, head to my website and get a free copy of the Leadership Time Trap. It's an exclusive offer and use the coupon code TIME. Now, this offer expires October 15th, 2016. I hope you enjoy my gift in celebration of our 10th episode, uh, getting the free copy of Leadership Time Traps. So thank you, listeners, for following the show. Please share my show link when you see it on Facebook or you get an email. Follow me on Facebook at Brenda Baird Coaching and get your daily dose of inspiration. So that's leading without being the boss. I hope everyone was able to take notes. If not, this episode of the show has an archived recording on my website. So that's a wrap, Tommy. Until next time, be safe and have fun. Bye, everyone.